Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. I'm so excited that you're here with me for a conversation that I've been waiting for actually for a long time, since August of 2020, in fact. So if you're new here, let me just welcome you. Thank you for lending me your ears. It's the only non-renewable resource that you've got. That's your time, which you are gifting to us. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you could be listening or watching so many different things. So thank you for tuning into Suncast, first and foremost. If you're new here, I really hope that by the end of this episode, you're convinced to stick around and come back and listen to more of what we are putting out here every week. Every week we try to bring you thoughtful conversations with thought leaders in the clean energy and climate tech space. And we've looked at it through the lens of founders, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and today, an erstwhile and earnest look at the process of seeking a career in clean energy. Today's guest is a friend, Heidi Lim of Opus 12. And while I hope that we can do more on Opus 12, we actually don't talk a ton about Opus 12 today. We talk about her process of finding what she calls a career and purpose and meaning. Opus 12 happens to be now the vessel through which she pours that energy. And I'm excited to bring that conversation to you. And I really would encourage you not just to listen into this conversation, but also to go take the time to read the truly the tome that she created that was the genesis of this episode and this uh, this interview because I found her by reading on my own around what is it like to get a job in the clean energy space trying to really understand the journey that you all are on and nobody and I mean nobody that I've read in the last year has put it more succinctly and more action-oriented than Heidi and I can't wait for you to listen and if you like this episode then please subscribe to the show I promise that you will get lots of great insight and advice on how to choose and and live a career in the clean energy industry. But for now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior. We are about to dive into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, climate and solar warriors. I hope that you're tuning in today because you are curious about building a career that is both attacking the climate problem, but that is developing a sense of purpose. I met today's guest, Heidi Lim, as I've met many of you through LinkedIn because of some way that uh, you've put yourself out into the world. In in Heidi's case, she posted an article back in the summer of 2020 titled Chasing a Job with Purpose. I read, consumed that article, uh, thought that it was as cogent as any I have come across on the topic of diverting from what our education system has told us is the path to sort of career success. In particular, if you have a specific track of education, higher education, college in particular, a lot of folks get fed into venture capital or you know, name, name your track, technology, et cetera. And 
many of you, like Heidi, struggle with finding a job that both is meaningful and gives you a sense of purpose, but also pays the bills, uh, and which of those is more important for you. So given that I think Heidi has written what I consider to be the best article that I've found on how to make that decision full on with kind of a checklist of things to consider, I wanted to bring Heidi on and talk about the writing of the article, Chasing a Job with Purpose, and the, the resulting career that she finds herself in, which is not unlike you all, addressing climate change head on. So without further ado, Heidi is chief of staff at Opus 12, a Berkeley-based startup that's developed a technology that transforms CO2 into valuable chemicals, materials, and fuels, as we'll discuss. Heidi, welcome to Suncast. Thank you, Nico. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. It's been, it's been about six months since we've been batting back and forth messages trying to find a time that worked, and I'm glad that we finally have. You know, you have had such a ride in the time that you wrote this article, so there's a lot I think we're going to discuss. But I want to start out by asking, when did it become clear to you that you weren't on the same journey as your peers? In particular, and notably, you were an undergrad at Harvard. There are certain directions that as an undergrad at Harvard, you may feel pulled, right? This magnetism towards certain types of careers. When did it appear obvious to you? Like, uh, this doesn't exactly feel like what my career ought to be. I went into college wanting to study environmental engineering. I grew up in Las Vegas and I think I, I just gained an appreciation of the environment and the limited resources that we have. And so I was into environmentalism and co conservation early on. Like since then, I've had an evolution as an environmentalist and as a, as a human and in regard to how I think about our relation to the environment and, our, and now our climate. But back then, I just knew that I wanted to do something that was meaningful on a, a planetary level. And I think a lot of people go into college wanting to save the world, to change the world, right? Like everyone wants to do that. But the reality is that what I witnessed is that we often will do what is maybe like the most lucrative or maybe the most easy path or the most carved path for us. We want to go where, where our friends are going. We want to go. A lot of times people want to go towards what they see as being, you know, successful, quote unquote, as defined by what they've seen. So, you know, I, lot, I saw a lot of my peers going, starting off wanting to, you know, do amazing things to the world, but ultimately kind of diverting into similar pathways. You just get caught up in what's shiny, like, you know, big, big tech, like going to Google, Facebook, you know, that's what I, I also applied to all those companies because those are the, those are the companies to go to and the companies to want to aspire to work at. And of course, like your peers are going to know what those are. Like when you tell them you have an internship there, they're going to also be in the same city and they're also going to be congratulating you about your Goldman internship or whatever. So that was a struggle for me, like being in college and seeing that a lot of people were going down this path, which seemed to be very very clear, like this was going to lead to success and people are going to respect you for what you do, but it didn't feel right to me. Like I went to a few, a few like recruiting dinners or whatever, like, or I'd go to like recruiting events or career fairs. And I didn't feel like it was exactly what I wanted to do. It didn't feel a hundred percent aligned to what I, what I ultimately feel I, I think is important, but I did give it a try. Turns out none of the big tech companies wanted me. I never got an internship at Google. I didn't take computer science. I only took like one computer science class. So that it, it makes sense that like on paper, given what I was studying, it, it, it just didn't pan out for me that way. But a lot of it was just like 
listening to myself and paying attention to what I thought was interesting and what what I thought was the right direction, even if it was like so weird and different from uh, what a lot of my peers were doing at the time. Can you explain your personal journey to understanding that climate change was the problem that you wanted to spend the first tranche, at least, of your career addressing? So after college, I found a job at an enterprise software company. So I ended up working in Silicon Valley because that's what I felt like I wanted to be in in the area. And like, obviously, I always I was thinking about, you know, the environment and climate, and I wanted to do something in that space and clean tech. But I just didn't find solar and wind that interesting. Like there was something not very sexy about going and like working on it. I don't know, like building solar panels or I don't know, building a smart grid or something like those things just didn't seem as appealing as like what I was being shown is the beacon of light, which is like, go work for a really fun software company. Like go work for a company that's going to give you all the snacks in the world and ping pong breaks and, and beer, beer and everything like that culture. So even though I just said that, like, you know, I fought against the current with my, against my, where my peers were going. Ultimately I did get caught up a little bit in the current and I was like, I'm going to go work in Silicon Valley. I found a company that wasn't as big of a name, but it was still kind of in that ilk. I kind of positioned it as like, oh, well, we're, you know, we're making data centers more efficient. So I could convince myself that it was related to climate, even though it wasn't something we necessarily were building the business on. So I kind of convinced myself it would be fine. And also I would have, it was a really good place for me to learn. And I don't at all regret like taking that turn. And especially now that I'm giving people advice who like, I have, I have a, a mission right now to bring as many people from this world of Silicon Valley and all of its offshoots across the world who are like, everyone wants to invent the next like app, right? There's so many people who are doing this kind of work who are really smart, but the incentives are misunderstood. They're misaligned. And the story of climate and and climate related work is misunderstood by a lot of people. That's kind of what I'm trying to clarify. I talk about it in the article that I have a specific call out for people who are in the Bay Area of like, you know, there's a saying in the in Silicon Valley of like, want to work on hard problems. But a lot of the problems that people are working on are not ultimately meaningful. And, you know, if we could funnel all of that talent into solving the climate crisis, that is, that would be so beneficial. Like it would, if we put all the energy of entrepreneurs and investment and just like the energy behind all of that and help go solve the biggest existential crisis of our species, then we could do a lot. Going back, like my evolution as environmentalist, at that time in college, I was like of the mind that, okay, at that time, any way to solve the climate crisis was really about renewable energy. And at that time, it wasn't super interesting to me. I pivoted away from working in software. When I left that job, I wanted to figure out what were the other things that needed to be worked on. Like, what are the other ways we can solve climate? Because there are so many people working on solar and wind and renewable now because it's so such a big field and the economics work out now. So what else can we do that doesn't have as many people behind it? And I wanted to make, make the biggest impact that I could. I didn't want to work at Tesla because people who, who work at Tesla, they don't necessarily have to care about climate. It's just a cool company to work at, right? So that was like 
the type of company that I wasn't looking to work for. So I made a huge, you know, like research push and I figured out that carbon removal was this area, like removing carbon from the atmosphere basically is, is the biggest area that we need to put more momentum behind that we need to address our climate change issues and not enough people are working on it. So that's my evolution. And for those who perhaps are just hearing for the first time the name Heidi Lim, uh, it won't be the last time, I promise you, I would encourage that you go read the article. We'll try to do some justice to those who perhaps are using this as a surrogate for reading the article. But it's a long article. Heidi just did a fantastic job of narrating it herself now. So you can go to the Medium link and, and you can hear for those of you like us, like Heidi and myself, who prefer to listen than read. Heidi's done the hard work now of putting it into audio format. I would encourage you to go listen to the article. Heidi, what encouraged you or inspired you to write an article about your personal journey toward finding a job of purpose and a job in climate? I think I just like, I discovered that I learned a lot in my own personal journey and I was just, it was very organic. It was like people who like my friends and many of them being those peers uh, that I had at Harvard or their friends, I was getting a message like every, every other day, every few days where someone was reaching out and being like, Hey, like I saw that you, I heard that you did this pivot or it was really cool to see that you did this. Can you take, you know, 20, 30 minutes to talk to me about how you did it. And then those requests just got, they just piled up and I didn't have, I just couldn't take enough time to respond to each of those in like an hour long conversation. So my idea was that I would write it all down, reach more people. And then I could, if somebody had a question, like they wanted to, you know, take a call with me, I could hand them the article and be like, okay, if you have any, you know, last questions, we could do a 15 minute call. Well, that didn't happen because we, we would, I would send them the article or they would like find me through the article. And then I would take a call with more people who are coming in and they have, we have an hour long conversation. Like we just have, there's just way more behind it. And, and, you know, everyone's experience is different and they have different ideas. And so my plan kind of backfired, um, but in a really good way, because now, now I know like there's, yeah, there's a lot of interest out there. There's so many people, like I have a lot of friends like full circle who were like work in Silicon Valley or work in similar fields. And they, they want to, they want to work on climate. They want to work on something more meaningful than this app that they're working on. Like everyone wants to find fulfillment in their job, right? Like, yes, of course you, you know, you want to make a, a living. You want to, you want to like enjoy the people you work with and you want, you want to feel valued in your workplace, like these basic things. But that's kind of par for the course in a lot of like software companies, certainly now, which is great. But then there's like still this feeling of emptiness that people have. And you got to listen to that emptiness. <laughs> like, and I think because of COVID, like now a lot of the stuff that people, like a lot of the perks that were kind of, kind of like a lot of the in-person perks, a lot of things on campus, so to speak. Yeah. I was, they're kind of like getting propped up. Like their, their excitement about the job and the Kool-Aid drinking is extended because you are feeling like energized about the people you're around or the, the snacks at work or like, you know, the it's fun in the office. But now you're like, so you're like, so like having to sit in like what your job is and that experience of your day to day. And on top of that, we are now fully experiencing 
a situation where we have to really confront what matters to us and how we want to spend our time on this planet. Or I guess if we go to Mars, like how we want to spend our lives, right? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You're so you're so aware on a on a minute by minute basis the the context with which you're discussing things. I love it. I mean I'm I have to say it's refreshing because I interview a, a lot of folks and a lot of very smart and, and self-aware folks, but I love how as I watch you tell your story, you're consciously aware even of a thing like as we'd spend time on this planet that the present reality is changing around us. One of the things that didn't surprise me, but probably surprises others maybe listening to this. I always encourage folks, if you are getting inbound questions about something that you've done, it is illuminating a need in the market. I had Eric Posse, a good friend of mine from a, a solar EPC, who wrote a book called Clean Wave. It is a fantastic book. The entire premise of the book was he didn't have time to answer all the questions coming in about how to get a job in solar. So cool. put his thoughts down in a book. And cleanwavebook.com, I think is if, you, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with it, you can go check that out. Love Eric and all that he's done. His episode was great. Talked about some of the stuff that he's encountered uh, and, and addressed for folks. I'm curious, what are the questions now that you've put this, you, sort of your opus, now that you've put your thoughts down in writing, what are the questions that still come up that you have to address now in these hour-long conversations? I think they're across the board. Like, you know, a lot of the questions are like, you know, how do I, how do I figure out what problems to even work on? And that's a big challenge within the climate community. I think this is a two-way street. Like I, I, I would like to think that my, the platform that I, I'm, I'm going to be building and that I'm trying to build now is, is also calling the people who are working in climate. Like we need to make it easier for these people to come over to this side. And a lot of times it's like, People are like, I don't even know where to start looking for a job. Like, first of all, I actually don't even know what problem is interesting to solve. Like, we have this challenge where people are not, you know, when you work, when you want to work in like a software company, you can name 10 software companies right now because you have them in your phone, right? You're using them all the time. And so you know, like, oh, I like like the I like the product. It seems like a fun place to work. I'm gonna go hit a plot. But like if you're just a, a normal person, like like even me, I'm not working in renewable energy necessarily, right? So I can't even tell you like 10 solar companies in the US. If I'm interested in like, if I think, oh, like the solar industry seems interesting, I don't, I can't really name like what companies are out there. So you have to go do research and you have to go talk to people. So my advice to people a lot of times is to reach out to folks on LinkedIn who look interesting, who look like they're taking a path that you want to take and then pick their brain about like see who they are recommending that you that that are like the real movers and shakers in the field what kind of resources they think you should be looking at to really understand what's going on pardon the interruption i just want to ask you a question if you've been listening for the past few weeks then you've no doubt heard about the unbelievable offer from our friends over at endium so what's holding you back Many of you have gone over to the site. Dozens have filled out the form. But if you're anything like me, you've probably left it open as a tab. And you're still holding back. I can't express to you enough how unbelievable this offer is. Get free advice to tune up your Salesforce process from a certified Salesforce MVP. One of the top ranked in the world. So why are you hesitating? Get on it. Go back, fill out that form. Get free advice 
from Geraldine Gray, founder and CEO of Indium. If you didn't listen to her episode number 339, then go take a peek at that episode and better understand what you are missing in your process and how you can truly transform your solar sales process in particular. If you're looking at how to implement Salesforce as a CRM, or if you're trying to really ratchet up your game and implement a broader marketing strategy on the heels of Salesforce, well, then you, my friend, need to head over to mysuncast.com and click on the Indium logo that will take you to their special Suncast audience offer. It's only for us, and this is special for you. It's a free assessment. I can't imagine why you'd say no to that. It's just one more way that we add additional value for you here as a listener to Suncast. So thank you for tuning in. You know, it's the time of year where folks start moving around from business to business, job to job. Career transition is at its peak. And it's often a time where folks look to someone else to help organize their thoughts and guide their principles. I've spent the last 15 years in renewables. I've spent the last five years coaching founders and startup executives in this space specifically. And for the last year, I've been helping folks transition out of oil and gas and other industries into renewables. And I've found that there are a few things that are commonalities. I'd like to invite you, if that sounds like something you're interested in, to have a conversation with me about whether or not coaching might be in your future and working with me might be something that would help level up your business or your personal career path. You can fill out an application over at mysuncast.com. Just click on the work with me button in the very top right. And everyone who fills out an application, I'm going to set up a 15 minute clarity call. So I'd invite you to run, fill that out. If this sounds remotely interesting to you and let's have a chat, see if there is in fact a fit. I look forward to chatting soon. Thank you so much for tuning into Suncast. Let me know if I can help you in other ways. Heidi, you did a remarkable job, as I've come to understand it, in your personal outreach on LinkedIn as you were doing your research. You talk a bit about that in your article. What are two or three subjective but good questions that you found get responses from folks that others can use as seeds as they're doing their own LinkedIn LinkedIn outreach? What advice could you give in that area? Yeah, I think it's really important to get a really good like ask email, like you're going to pay for what, like 10 in-mail credits. Definitely think that an in-mail account or a, what, a LinkedIn premium account, it is worth it because you get the ability to drop into somebody's inbox, but get that message down really like tight, like into like five or six sentences about who you are, um, what you're interested in and why you would, why you're reaching out. Don't ask for more than like 20, 30 minutes because everyone is busy, right? And you want to be mindful of the person's time. You're really asking for somebody to take time out of their day and you want to convince them about why it's worth them using their valuable time to try to help you. And then the other piece of advice I have is that don't be shy about reaching out to these people. Like, I, I think it is worth mentioning that people really appreciate that it's flattering to get a message from somebody who's like, totally out of nowhere. We have no connections that are common, but you found me and you want my advice. That's like a really flattering thing to get. So you're going to miss like 90% of your messages will not get responded to, but don't feel bad about that because 
because everyone is busy, you know, you have no idea what that what that person is doing. You don't know if they even saw your message. Don't take it personally, but you know, accept that 10% win because that is a really good return rate. That's that's very that's the thing to focus on. I appreciate that you also pointed out paying for, and I concur with this and say it all the time, paying for a LinkedIn premium account has more than a few benefits, not the least of which is you can drop into someone's inbox by using InMail, whether you're connected to them or not, which is a form of paid prospecting. It's great. It also gives you insight into whether or not people are picking up what you're laying down. One of the things that that I think good communicators do, and especially leveraging something like LinkedIn is regularly contribute your thoughts to the community and folks will start to sort of ag- sort of gather around your well of of thought leadership and information how have you seen since you wrote the article that your i'll call it follow followership has grown and, and how do you intend to uh, leverage that moving forward Yes. So that's a great tee up to um, my <laughs> announcement i guess that i'm manifesting this in the world i'm starting a podcast and it's going to be uh, around this topic of like, how do you find a job with purpose? I don't have a title yet. Like, I think it was, a, I, I hope you caught that there's there's a double meaning to the, the article title um, and I like it a lot, but yeah, I, I want to reach more people. I feel like there's, you know, I, right now I have under a thousand followers on like Twitter, my Instagram. I have more than that on LinkedIn, which is cool to see. Like LinkedIn is such a surprising way to get like a message out. And it, they also like let your your posts like live longer than a Twitter or something like that, which is cool. But yeah, I uh, I'm going to be starting a podcast, which will be having conversations with people who are on their journey and and hopefully reaching a, a broader audience. It has been very encouraging for me to hear that the other day somebody who lives in the Arctic Circle in Norway reached out to me and said, "Hey, I found your article. I don't know how. I was like clicking through a bunch of different links and I found your article and it just resonated so hard with me." Uh, she tweeted at me and then I jumped on a call with her later that week. And yeah, and like a lot of my my goal is really to bring more people of color, more, you know, queer trans people, more, you know, women or people who identify as, you know, a non-binary. Like I want more diversity and and I want to help those people in particular because, you know, as you know, Nico, and maybe the audience as well, like there is a lot of a lot of homogeny in a lot of the rooms and events that we're in, like even normally in normal times, I, I go and I speak on behalf of Opus 12 on stages. And a lot of times I'm the only woman of color. It's not because like there's fewer of us who are interested in in working on this side. I think it has to do with like accessibility. It has to do with like who knows who, who's helping bring other people on with them. Right. Like what you see when you're a kid, you're growing up and you're like, Oh, like, you know, what are the things that I want to go work on? Like, it just so happened that I grew up in an environment where I was like, oh, like this is a, an actual career path you can take. And even when I was in college, very few people were focused on climate and the environment at supposedly like the world's top school, right? <laughs> like that just like blows my mind when I look back on it. And now I have peers who are like my class who are, you know, more into uh, climate work in whatever way that they are, or they have climate thinking in their their field. Like I have friends who are in med school who, who learn about the effects of climate change now in their classes, but we need more of that. With regard to the information that you covered in the article that you wrote, what do you consider to be the key considerations you've come to understand are core to finding a job with purpose? 
Well, the first thing is to really listen to yourself. I, I, I talk a lot about this in the article. Um, how do you listen to yourself? Cause it sounds so simple and it's like, sounds so silly, but yeah, I actually, I got some advice from somebody who was on the Salesforce sustainability team who I reached out to on LinkedIn and she gave me this very simple nugget of advice. And by the way, that's kind of what, like each of these things that you're doing where you're like, you know, talking to somebody from LinkedIn or you're reading an article or whatever, they're all like seeds that like I describe them as seeds that you're planting because you don't know which one's going to ultimately sprout. And they're all going to like, even though you feel kind of stuck or you feel like, you know, they're not leading anywhere, just kind of trust that, that if you keep moving, those things will add up. And one of the little nuggets they got from this call that I still remember is to write down a list of things that you want and you don't want at work. And I have this list still, I have it in a note in my, my phone and my laptop. So I can like every once in a while, I look back at it again. It is, it remains to be true. Like the things that are on that list, because they're part of my core. They're not things that I like felt at the time. They're things that I know based on my experiences that revealed themselves to be part of my core. And so for people to really understand, like, who are you? Like, just don't just like take these messages from recruiters or, you know, just like take the next job because your friend gave it to you. Really look at what you're trying to optimize for. So you're not just being blown about by the currents. (laughs) You know, you're not just like latching onto the lifeboat that's next to you because your yacht could be right there, like behind you, but you can't see it. So there's this element of like, if you really understand your values and what you're looking for, it'll help you to guide your own ship, whatever nautical uh, metaphors you want to make about it. But it's really helpful to do that. And then you can, you can know your own story, you can own it. And then when you make that next decision to switch jobs or pivot, then you know, it's right for you because you really did the work to, to get there. And I have so many friends who will switch to their next job. And it's just a version two of the same exact thing. And then they're unhappy in that job. And you're like, like, why, why does this keep happening to me? I think it happens in like personal relationships too. It's the same thing. If you don't really know what you're looking for or what you need, and then you just go with the flow without really choosing. And a lot of times that'll just lead to unfulfillment. Yeah. Understand what you're looking for is a, is a key to the success of any uh, job transition for sure. What other key considerations do you guide folks towards? So listen to yourself. So I I mentioned it a little bit, like looking at the full field of what you are wanting to get into, even if it's an inkling of like, oh, that thing seemed kind of interesting. Like, you know, I, I really enjoy ice cream. Like I want to go, you know, learn everything about the ice cream industry and then seeing how wide that field is and like doing a lot of research, getting onto every newsletter you can about the field so that you have like passive information coming to you in your inbox following as many people you can on Twitter or whatever social media platform that you like, and just having it be part of your, like your, your environment, right? Like build your own environment and make it support you and your journey, because then you don't have to think about it anymore. You just organically, you're just going to be kind of surrounded and bathed in this kind of, this kind of information that you're, you're seeking. And it will feel less like work as well. I think that's that's something to really keep in mind is searching for a job. It is an overwhelming task. It is a monumental task because you're going to be making a big decision, it seems, about you know where you want to go. But yeah, make those take those little steps and and give your future self those small gifts like yeah, 
subscribing uh, to these different channels, get involved in the communities that are related to your interests. So you can, you know, I think a lot of us learn more when you talk to somebody and you actually, you don't have to like siphon through all these articles and like read books, like go and talk to people who are in the work and um, make some friends, have fun with it and see what it's like to actually be around the people in that field. And nowadays, because we're all remote, it's so easy to do that because all of these meetups and communities are all online and all the programming is over Zoom. So you could you don't have to like say, oh, I'm like in Cincinnati. I'm going to go try to find, you know, that one group or few groups in Cincinnati that are focused on climate. And no, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize in advance to people who live in Cincinnati because I don't know how big the climate community is. But yeah, now you now you can go anywhere in the world and connect to people and attend any conference or um, whatever anywhere around the world. So that's that's really cool. Take advantage of it. One of the key gems that resonated for me beyond purposefully intentionally writing down what you want to achieve that manifestation, creating a filter, being kind to yourself about the idea that this takes time and you may need to take time off of work. All of those things are incorporated into your article, which I thought was really the holistic view that you took of how to be kind to yourself doing this process, I think is something that's worth itself reading the article. I don't want to, I don't, I don't necessarily want to dig into all of that right now, but as we bring this full circle, I was most impressed with, and I'd love for you to tell a story about one example of one of your friends that ex- exemplifies this as well as your own job, but the idea of providing value, even while you are doing your job search, a, a lot of folks go into a job search feeling like they're at the mercy of the market and they don't have any value to offer, which is the exact opposite mentality of how a job search ought to be uh, carried out. Can you unpack a little bit the edict to plant seeds and perhaps leave us with a couple of examples, yourself included, of how planting seeds ultimately leads to a better future? I think part of like really understanding yourself is also like gaining confidence about like what you have to offer and not feeling like because it's a new field that for some reason, those skills are completely out the window and not valid. I have a friend who is a data scientist and she was before, I think, going to business school and she had some time and she loves Beyonce. (laughs) She just is a huge fan. And she reached out to Beyonce's like somebody on her management team on LinkedIn and was like, Hey, I have this skill set, data science. And this is why Beyonce needs a data scientist. And she got a job being Beyonce's first data scientist just because she knew who she was. She was like, I'm going to shoot my shot. I have nothing to lose. And I love this person. And she is amazing. That is, it does exemplify the idea of like finding your job with purpose, like purposefully finding that job and sometimes actually, maybe it's a, mis, it's a mixed mischaracterization because sometimes it means creating the job as well. Yeah. And I think that's the case a lot of times because the climate world is not exactly the same as you know software or food service or any of these other types of industries. So sometimes you have to like, instead of saying, oh, and leading with like, oh, here was my title at my last job, lead with here are the skills that I have that I can provide to you. And the other part is being able to show it is even more helpful. So, you know, you could you can offer yourself as a consultant or these other kinds of services, or you could do something totally separate, which is kind of what I did. I wanted to get into carbon re- removal, which is the general field of removing atmospheric carbon. And I was reading so much about it. And I was like, well, I I actually took a lot of time to read all of this. 
and I'm a really good communicator by my own, uh, by, by my own determination. So I was like, I'm going to go write a carbon removal 101. You can go find it on medium and I can provide value now by showing that I know what I'm talking about to the people that I'm trying to get hired by and also have an excuse to go back to those companies and say, Hey, I wrote an article and I mentioned you, you know, free marketing, like just so you know, and then hopefully they go look at it and they see that, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I'm a thorough thinker, all of these things that I wanted to advertise about myself. So I didn't make money off of it, but I actually ended up kind of, I actually kind of got my current job at Opus 12 from that experience. I had reached out to my current boss, our CEO, one of our co-founders, Nicholas, and I had spoken to him a few months before publishing the article. And at that time, he said there was no role for my uh, skill set, which is kind of in the business development area. And you know, I sent him an article very casually, like, "Hey, I just want to let you know I, I wrote it." And at that time, I thought, okay, you know, he said he wasn't going to have a new hire position for a while, so I didn't think it was going to lead to something. But I came back to the top of his inbox, and he said he'd read it. And then a few days later. He messaged me and said that he actually needed help sooner than he thought. And just like keeping that touch point and providing value, I think it helped. Like, I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't written the article. Like he probably, he gets so many inbounds that he may not remember that this person had reached out 10 months before. Obviously don't go pester people that you tried to work for. Um, But I think when you go and you have like a touch point, if you can provide value back with that touch point, then it's not bothering them. It's actually like trying to help them or, you know, trying to be valuable in the broader conversation. So that was an example of like a seed that I planted, you know, many months before that ended up sprouting. And that's where I am now. It's a fantastic example. And you point to it in the article that we kicked off the conversation with, and we'll link for sure to the article that is titled, we need to talk about carbon removal One of the things that stands out to me, and I want to add this maybe be the final piece, because I, as not someone who particularly spends a lot of time writing, I look at what I think it's maybe somewhat ironic that you work for a company called Opus, because a lot of the articles that you write for most of our listeners, it would be an Opus if they ever wrote anything that long. I mean, thousand plus word articles, right? It's uh, so how long does it take for you? The two articles in, in question are two years separated in time. How long does it take for you to put yeah. one of these articles together? They seem to be a great sales tool for you, by the way. So kudos for that. <laughs> like, it's no wonder what Nico, like why I'm starting a podcast. Cause I don't like to write. That's actually on my list of things that I like and I don't like to do. The thing it's on that side of things I don't like to do at work is writing long spans of text, especially when it's like all original text, which is what both of these were. We need to talk about carbon removal was way, way more, I think, lengthy to write. Um, I think it was like three or four months, but you know, many months before that doing the research because it was, but it was research that I was doing for my, my own job search. So, but that article has like 30 citations and like, I was finding primary sources so that people could go and like, you know, get really read into those topics. And there's a lot of links to other sources there. So it was a lot heavier of a of a, a, a process, and then the finding a job with purpose was really like a month and a half or two months of you know brain dump and refinement, and and then I, I usually have four or five of my friends like go into the Google Doc and give me feedback. So really, I will try to set a deadline for hey guys, I'm gonna like have a draft for you at this time, and it forces me some social pressure. Yeah, yeah, I procrastinate writing 
a lot when I'm doing it. So, but yeah, I don't, I actually literally don't know what I would write about next, but, but speaking is something I feel like, you know, that's way easier for me, even though now I'm learning that editing is a long process. So maybe I'll have to find somebody to help me with that part. As we uh, sort of head for home here, uh, final question, are there any particular resources that have really served or inspired you along your journey toward finding a job in climate tech or even since that you feel would be worth sharing for others, just places that you wish you had known about before and that you regularly share out to others? Yeah, I'm always talking about Climate Pace, which used to be called Climate Careers, and they were building a, a platform for, for people to see uh, job postings from climate-focused, uh, in a broad sense, companies. So that includes alternative protein, like you know, possible foods, also including energy, of course, but it's a little more holistic. And they were really addressing a challenge that I also felt, which is that when you go to all of these traditional job posting sites, like Indeed or whatever, like it's hard to figure out, like if you type in environment, you're going to get nonprofits and you're going to get technology companies. You may even get like environmental toxin companies. Like you're going to get all these different things that are not refined. So it's a lot to sift through. They're a really good resource. They actually align all of their job postings to specific the project drawdown goals. We'll link as well to Climate Base, but also to Project Drawdown for those who maybe are just hearing about it for the first time. Time for one more resource. Anything else that stands out for you that is a must uh, a must include? I mean, I love air miners. If you are interested in carbon removal you should go check out the air miners community. They're the, they're the group that I spent time with that I, you know, mentioning of being, being part of a community. I continue to be part of that, that group. And they're just like awesome people to be with. And the work that I'm doing with them at this point is creating more programming around environmental justice and how that relates to carbon removal and how we can get more environmental justice work integrated into what we're doing with carbon removal, because that's extremely important for us to get it right the first time and not not create something that is ultimately bad, even if we have good intentions. So that is a really cool thing to be helping to build over there that hopefully we'll we'll we'll, we'll have broader reaches as well. well. We'll link to Air Miners as well. Uh, longtime Suncast contributor and friend Jason Grillo has been spending a lot of time with the Air Miners and that community. I know he's helping them with some stuff now. I had not heard of it until he brought it up to me about the same time that I actually had reached out to you. So the whole carbon capture ecosystem is probably new for many of our solar warriors who've been focused head down on renewable energy for a long time. Uh, so this is a good opportunity for us to introduce some new resources. Appreciate that. And there's a, uh, we'll try to find it. There's a Slack community. I know that's active within air miners community that is uh, I understand very useful for anyone who's trying to learn. And it's a, uh, it's generally just a great community to understand better the carbon capture ecosystem. So thanks for sharing that. The carbon removal ecosystem. Carbon, yeah, sorry, the carbon removal ecosystem. See, I even flub uh, using the proper terminology, carbon capture versus carbon removal. A lot to learn on my side. Yeah, I have no, I have no problem uh, being uh, humbly corrected in, in that regard because I, like many of my colleagues, have less understanding of, uh, of this aspect of climate tech, climate uh, change initiatives and, and businesses. So perhaps what we should do is also invite you back or invite someone from the OPA's team to talk about the business of carbon removal, right? Because I think that's fascinating as well. Something that Suncast listeners would enjoy. Well, let's end today, Heidi, as we always do. Is there anything that 
I wonder from your perspective, not tainted by that, uh, that renewable energy lens, so to speak, what do you see happening in the next you know, 12 to 24 months that perhaps other folks are not so aware of? What's in your crystal ball for, for the coming? There's so much going on in carbon removal, like, um, and carbon tech, you know, carbon remove, carbon utilization and carbon capture and all of these like renewable fuels and all of this like next generation of carbon management, all of that is going to be a next evolution of of dealing with climate change. And it is growing so much. I mean, like Elon Musk the other day, I think blew up the internet when a lot of like when he said he would give a hundred million dollars to the next uh, the best carbon capture uh, technology project. And you're seeing all of these big corporations like Microsoft and Delta and all these almost every industry making some allusion to carbon removal and using that language. And it is so amazing to see this because you know, three years ago, people weren't talking about it in this mainstream way. And so it is really kudos to this small but mighty tiny community of people who are like in in whatever way, whether it be policy or industry, like making it a thing and getting people to understand it. That is incredible. And it's so like, that's really, that's part of the reason I wrote this carbon one removal one one oh one Cause I wanted to help more people understand it, but I also wanted to be able to say like, like I helped in this small way, like early on before it got really big and, and, and it's here now, but yeah, I, I will say like specifically for Opus 12 and because you have a renewable power audience, the pattern of where we've, where we've tried to mitigate climate change has been the story of electrification, right? You're electrifying the power grid, and then we are working on electrifying transport. But ultimately, we need to electrify everything. And so everything we can and move up with fossil fuels. So what Opus 12 is doing is we have an electrochemical technology that takes renewable energy and carbon dioxide to create these higher value molecules and products so we can change we can use renewable energy to make chemicals and materials and electrify those in a way that we can't do today without a technology like Opus 12. Similarly, it's a way to electrify aviation, where instead of taking batteries and putting them into transatlantic planes, which we can't do, but you can instead electrify molecules. And that is a way to electrify aviation. So just like kind of rethinking about how we use energy it's all related. So it is kind of funny that even though I'm working in carbon removal, I did end up working in energy in a different way, which is being at the end of the the use of, of that renewable energy. Absolutely. Fascinating. Well, Heidi, we're out of time today, but I feel there's going to be many more discussions with you. Thank you for taking the time to expand on our knowledge, not only of finding a job with purpose, but how other companies are approaching climate action, climate change, climate tech. And uh, we look forward to hearing more about Opus 12 and the things that you guys are creating. And I certainly look forward to hearing more from Heidi Lim and how she is helping folks find their uh, meaningful career. Thank you, Nico. All right, Solar Warriors. That was such an interesting and insightful conversation. Heidi, you have really inspired me and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. What a fascinating look into how intentional you were at getting your role at Opus. Opus 12 is lucky to have you as chief of staff. And I look forward to seeing how you continue to grow and give, because as you noted, 
you are going to bring your learning to more people through podcasts and YouTube channels in so many more ways. And I look forward to following that. I hope that you will as well. If you, like me, are eager to keep learning, then you, my fellow Philomath, can find the resources from this discussion with Heidi and so many more highlights of other discussions, along with social media links, book recommendations, that blog post I mentioned about which Heidi wrote, how to find a job with purpose over at mysuncast.com. You click on the show notes and find out more. And as you may have heard in the mid-roll, unless you're a mid-roll skipper, and if you are, maybe you're an outro skipper as well, and you aren't listening to this. But if you are, because you're still hanging on to every word that I say, I would encourage you, if this really touched you, please share it on LinkedIn and let us know how we can help you. I can certainly give you some advice uh, of how we can help. If you go to events mysuncast.com forward slash dream job. You can learn how you can work with me. You can figure out how to transfer your skills into a productive career in the clean energy business. At the very least, click on the work with Nico button and fill out a coaching application and you'll get a 15 minute call with me. We'll see if there's a fit for anything that we do or if I can just refer you along uh, or help you navigate and find your way in this exciting, exciting pathway. Look every Thursday, we bring you these long-form conversations. Every Tuesday, we bring what used to be short-form conversations, but very tactical and practical advice on how to build your career or your business in climate tech and clean energy. I hope that you'll join us again next week as we have some fantastic conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I want to just thank you so much to our sponsors and thank you to everyone who shows up every week to support what we're doing here in the Suncast Tribe. Thank you, Solar Warriors. Remember, you are what you listen to. So thanks again for showing up. It is half the battle.